Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to In All Honesty. This is a bonus episode and was a very spontaneous decision. It's actually sods law because I finished recording the first season yesterday and especially the last few episodes was like pulling teeth. Each episode requires so much work and I do a lot of planning and editing in order to make it succinct and punchy that trying to find the natural motivation to get around to doing one of those episodes was a lot and so I was waiting for this like natural motivation that never came and eventually just forced myself to do the last few episodes yesterday and as soon as I was done with the first season I just got this natural inspiration today to record a podcast so it's sod's law. This episode though will take a completely different format in the way that it has no format If this is the first episode of In All Honesty that you're tuning in on, this is completely different because In All Honesty has a very rigid format and this one is honestly me just talking to you. I'm not going to heavily edit it. I'm not going to really edit it at all. And I have not planned anything other than the fact that I know the topic I'm talking about because I started talking about it on Instagram stories. It ended up being like 20 slides long. And then at the end, I was like, well, I've actually only told half the story. So if you want me to tell the whole story, then I can record a bonus podcast episode. So surprise, here's the bonus podcast episode. And also an additional difference is the fact that this audio is not going to be as good quality as normal simply because I'm in Hong Kong in the middle of quarantine right now. It's probably actually why I suddenly got motivation because I am bored. I am in a strict government lockdown right now but I didn't bring my podcasting equipment to Hong Kong basically to force myself to take a break from work and because I do want to record this now when I have inspiration I thought it was better to record it now with worse audio quality than wait until I get back to England at which point I'll probably not be inspired to make this podcast episode and it won't be fresh in my mind because I was literally talking about it on Instagram yesterday. So those are all my disclaimers on to what we're actually going to be talking about Pickup artists and incels. And the thing that inspired this conversation was a book I'm currently reading by Laura Bates called Men Who Hate Women. And the first chapter is about incels and the second chapter was about pickup artists. And I just started talking about my experiences of that. 
But I got really passionate about it in my Instagram stories and I've always been into this kind of thing, into the human dynamics and how humans relate to one another and why they do the things that they do and trying to understand. was when I learned about the Zimbardo prison experiment, where essentially it was an experiment where there were participants who were pretending to be guards and participants pretending to be prisoners. And by the end of the experiment, they had to quit after six days because they adopted those roles so well that, or so badly, that they were torturing each other. And it's a really long, complicated uh, experiment. And I've probably done that a disservice, but look it up. That's how I originally got into psychology. And I think both incels and pickup artists is what hooks me in is the same thing of trying to understand the psychology of it. So how I got introduced into the world of pickup artists is I got trained as a life coach. And within my training, I got trained in something called neurolinguistic programming. Now, this is used as a therapy technique, or I use it as a therapy technique, but it is also heavily used within sales and marketing because, again, it's useful to know how people think. And, um, for example, within sales and marketing, one of the things I got taught, which can be used in therapy, is someone's buying technique. And it's more to understand the human strategy and how people use their senses. So when I got taught about the buying technique, there are some people who need to feel the thing before they buy it. There's some people who need to ask someone else. So that's an external source. But you do that with all kinds of things. So you might do that with trying to change your belief or you might try to do that um, when trying to prove your point or when you're learning. So everyone has a strategy for different things. So for example, I'll need to know the strategy that someone is using in order to form a belief in order to undo it. And for a sales and marketing person, they'll want to know someone's buying strategies. So for example, my buying strategy is I need to touch the piece of clothing first. And therefore, if you are someone who's trying to sell to me, and you know that, you know that you need to be able to give me that opportunity. So alongside sales and marketing and therapy, NLP is also used heavily in the pickup artist industry. And how I discovered that this was used in the pickup artist industry was because anytime I mentioned what I was training in, every single guy I spoke to about it, whether it was a guy I knew or a guy that I was meeting, knew what NLP was. And considering that even I didn't know what NLP was two weeks before, I was so curious that every guy knew what it was, but no girls knew what it meant, like exactly how I didn't know what it meant. So after a few times of this happening and guys understanding what I was talking about, I remember going to the guy I was dating at the time being so strange. Everyone knows what neurolinguistic programming is if they're a guy, but if they're a girl, they don't know what it is. And he said to me, oh, have you not heard of the game? And I was like, no, what's the game? The Game is a book basically written by not one of the founders, but one of the most prominent figures in the pickup industry. And at the time, when this guy I was seeing explained it to me, all he said was one of the NLP techniques was associating all positive feelings to a sugar packet and then offering the girl the sugar packet while she's having her coffee. And that associates all the positive feelings from the sugar packet to you and she will like you. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes absolutely no sense to me. So I kind of dismissed it and didn't really think much about it. 
But this continued to happen and it continued to happen in conferences that I was going to for work. And I started noticing small things and bit by bit I was being told random pieces of this community or industry. So one of the things I got told is that they'll really sexualize conversation. One of the NLP techniques when trying to change someone's belief is you can embed a belief within a sentence and it might not always make sense, but it will go inside their unconscious. So one of the techniques is that pickup artists use deliberately sexual language to try to peak that part of your brain and get you interested and I remember I was at a conference and it was the break and we were having coffees and I turned to the guy standing next to me and I was like oh what do you do and he went sales and marketing which is a very broad way to describe your job and personally I've never known anyone to say they do sales and marketing as a job description when someone asks what do you do So I found that slightly weird, but I didn't really read too much into it. So I replied with, yeah, that's cool. And he replied with, yeah, it's a filthy job. And there was just a certain energy about it that I was like, oh my God, you're a pickup artist. So I tried to play him at his own game. So within NLP, one of the things you learn for therapy is you can embed positive beliefs between your sentences so that it goes into the client's unconscious. But I could also play him at his own game and embed a sexual phrase within what I was trying to say, basically to prove to him that I knew what he was doing. So I responded with, that's so funny that you say that. You are my first time that anyone said that to me. Now, grammatically, that doesn't make sense. But to a guy who is trying to embed a flirtatious sexual thing inside my head, what I just said is, you are my first time, which is a very sexual connotation sentence. And whilst grammatically it doesn't make sense, it is a sentence with a sexual connotation in the middle. Like, you were my first time is a sentence which isn't inherently sexual but is sexual enough that it made it clear I was doing exactly what he was doing to me and he knew it but it worked enough that he turned to me and went I know what you're doing and I was like good so stop doing what you're doing and I'll stop what I'm doing and he walked away and literally avoided me for the rest of the conference so I went home that evening and I couldn't stop thinking about it and I was like these guys are everywhere And once you start learning about these techniques, and I'll explain a few more of them later on, you start to recognize behavior in hindsight that now looks like pickup artist behavior. And I couldn't stop thinking about one guy. I'm going to call him Nick because I don't want to reveal his real name, even though he probably deserves it, but I'm still not going to. Let's say he's called Nick. And I kept thinking about this guy called Nick. So I dated Nick very, very briefly in my second year of uni. And I had kissed him in a club on the last night of first year. And then the summer had happened. And when I came back for second year, I couldn't stop thinking about him. And we were having a house party and he was going to come over um, for the house party. And I had spent the whole week before talking about this house party. And the night before our house party, I remember my friend texting me saying, can you come over to our flat? And the flat she lived in was a flat full of seven of my closest friends. My friendship group was basically a huge friendship group and we had divided between three houses. And she had basically asked me to come over to one of the houses and 
I walked in and everyone was sitting around the table, which I found really weird. And they basically sat me down and told me that my brand new housemate had got with this guy the night before and I was the only one who hadn't gone out that night. And so they felt like I needed to know, but they were telling me that it wasn't actually even the day before my house party, it was the day of my house party. So as much as I was 18 years old, I'm still very much a similar person to where I am now. That guy was dead to me, I was over it, and I was on to the next one, pissed off at my friend, but that was about it, and ended up dating a different guy who was way better, and it was always really awkward with that housemate, especially because she continued dating him, but in terms of my love life, I didn't think much more about Nick. And then I went into hospital, and when I came out of hospital, I heard that my housemate had been part of this competition. You see, Nick had decided he wanted a girlfriend, but he only wanted the very best. And so the best way he decided to do it was to run a competition. And he lived in a house with 10 housemates, and I know that because I knew one of his housemates. And Bristol was a very small well, so one of my housemates, not the one who got with him, was on his course, so was friends with him. It was all very interconnected and Nick had decided that he was going to run this competition in rounds so the first round had 10 girls and they all got taken on a milkshake date and then the second round and the third round and I think like the fifth round was sleeping with all of them and all I remember was the person who won in the end the girlfriend was going to be taken to Norway on a really romantic holiday the thing is none of these girls knew they were part of this competition and my housemate, the one who got with him behind my back, was part of this competition. In fact, she made it to the semi-final. So when I got back to uni, I was really pissed off and I told all my friends, you need to tell her. And at the time, I felt like I couldn't tell her because I would come across as jealous because there was still a lot of awkwardness around me and her, let alone me, her and this guy even though I had moved on and gone into hospital. So that meant I felt like I still couldn't tell her and none of my friends wanted to tell her. And so she never found out. So as soon as I started learning about these pickup artist techniques, I kept coming back to this guy and thinking about him. And as much as I didn't have his number and I didn't have our messages anymore, I did still have him on Snapchat and it was just too tempting to ask. So out of the blue, I sent him a message simply saying the words, have you read the book The Game? He replied instantly and was like, yes, I have. Why? And I just replied with, I'm trained in NLP. And he replied with, that's a weird career change for you. And then I explained that I was using NLP for therapy. And he was like, oh, okay, well, just as a heads up, I didn't use any of those techniques on you. <laughs> absolute lie I'm sorry but there is no person who knows these pickup artist techniques and uses them on every single person bar one random girl because I mean was he trying to pass off the fact that I was so special he didn't use those techniques because I'm sorry but you don't get with the housemate of someone who's that special um and that's not a way to put myself down because special in the eyes of that guy is not a high bar and is not a kind of special I want. Also, I'm calling him Nick, 
but I believe part of the charm was that he had this uni-wide nickname and if his name is Nick, for example, we called him Cute Nicky and that was how everyone in uni referred to him. Because this wasn't some captain of the football team or rugby player, he was actually quite a short guy. He was shorter than me, he was quite nerdy, he was doing physics and he was really good looking, but in a cute way, not a hot way, hence the nickname Cute Nicky, where it was almost with a level of innocence that there was no way that you would have seen him as a player or someone who would screw you over. And I believe this is why he got away with it, is because he had this cute image. He had the cliched good guy image. He was one of the good ones. He was the nerdy cute one. He wasn't the overtly attractive player type. And anyway, so he out of nowhere told me one of his techniques. So this is back in 2012. And back then there were no dating apps and we got with each other in clubs and Half the time we didn't know each other's names and then you would go outside the club and you'd put your number in each other's phones and it was that cliched thing of you having to hand over the phone because you couldn't remember their name so they, you needed them to type their name in. And he was no different. He would get with girls in clubs and then when the clubs closed, he would go outside with the girl in the same way we all did, ask for her number, but then right as she takes out her phone, go, wait, but hold on, what's my name? The thing is, he purposely never told her his name. And even when he did, he banked on the fact that clubs are loud, they were drunk half the time, and most people don't have a great memory when they've been drinking. But then, while she's stumbling and trying to remember his name, he would go, never mind, if you can't even remember my name, I'm not interested, and physically walk away. And that's when she would chase after him and be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I feel really guilty about forgetting his name and beg him, essentially. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...for his number. So not only has she physically run after the guy, he turned his back on her and walked away, and she physically had to chase him. And then also, it's the guilt of feeling like she's forgotten his name and the importance of a name to a guy who you randomly got within a club implies that this was more serious to him than a random hookup or just sex. And it's all of those subtle implications that are embedded in all of this. And I know it sounds subtle and I know it sounds minute, but that's why it works because it sets a precedent that she's already chasing him. And in her memory, she's the one who asked for his number. So it's all about a power dynamic. And it's also about starting off a relationship based on gaslighting. Because by asking her his name, the name that he never told her, then it's gaslighting someone on their memory and their experience therefore from the get-go she's already more reliant on you for your memory and to start it off on a basis of guilt and someone feeling bad means they're going to overcompensate with things like sex and that's how all of this is so insidious so subtle and the main reason I want to share the details of the technique is because in order to start detecting it in your own life you might not have someone do this specific to you but I don't know about you as soon as I start hearing about more techniques it does bring up memories of other things that happened to me in my past and full disclosure I've not read the book the game frankly I don't want to buy it I don't want to give my money to it and if you are tempted to buy it I would encourage you to either just look it up online because there's enough content online to look up these kind of techniques just for your awareness I'm assuming you're not looking it up to actually learn these techniques but also as an alternative, I'd rather you buy Laura Bates's book and support her and her discovering of this whole industry and her research around it than supporting the guy who created this book. I mean, the game is already a bestseller and it's been sold in its millions around the world. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it's so weird how pretty much every guy I know has read the book, whereas only one of my girlfriends had even heard of it. And the one girlfriend who had heard of it said there was a year in her school when they were in um, sixth form when this book was really popular that everyone bought the book even the girls but the vast majority of guys who have bought this book up including the guy I was seeing at the time all say the same thing and again this is how I believe it's really insidious they all say oh it's just some silly book it has some like good confidence boosting techniques it's always about confidence boosting but I think there's something more subtle going on here whether they do it consciously or not reading a book like that does go into your mentality about women because the pickup artist industry is based on the fact that women are stupid and naive and can't make decisions about who they're interested in themselves and therefore you can manipulate them and gaslight them into getting your way with them because you know better than them anyway and that technique was just one example frankly I don't particularly want to go into every single example because it is just so gross but knowing that kind of mentality is a lot easier to spot I do have a few more examples coming up but I did just want to stop and pre-warn anyone who's about to go buy the book please don't don't fund this kind of culture and if you really want to know more information about it there is so much information online about it 
But back to my story. So we're up to the point where I'm a newly qualified life coach. This is about five years ago. And one of the main ways I started getting clients in the very beginning was doing talks all across London. And I was using a website called Meetup. And it's a great place to find audiences. And I also started going to a few events to kind of see how they're run, how they book venues, all that kind of thing. So I started going to these events and it was at one of these events that I met a guy who was running his own events and he invited me to his event and it had a title about confidence and also about NLP which is why I was like yeah sure I'll go but it was only upon my arrival that I realized this guy was a pickup artist and I did have an inkling before I arrived there because there's a certain energy about these guys and I had already become accustomed to it because I had already met a few through my training. But he invited me to go, so I figured if it really was a pickup artist talk, then he wouldn't have invited a woman. Except when I arrived, I realised it most definitely was a pickup artist talk because I was the only woman in a room. So regardless of whether it was a directly pickup artist talk, his audience was a pickup artist audience. And so I walked in and just thought to myself, I have one of two options. I can leave right now or... I can make a point about how unacceptable this is. And his talk was very subtle. It never said the words pickup artist, but it was very obvious what he did. And later on, I went on his social media and it's even more obvious on his social media because he has clips of him taking clients around Oxford Circus and Piccadilly Circus, literally being a coach to these guys and setting them up with random women in the middle of the street and watching from a distance. So at this talk, and I've not looked up his social media yet, but I just knew it was. So I decided, being my bold and very naive young self, sit in the front row and glare at him through his whole talk. And I left that talk feeling gross. And once I discovered social media, I was like, this is just such uh, insidious. Insidious is the word I keep going back to because it's so subtle industry that seemed way bigger than I realised it was. And I was like, how can this industry be so big, yet no one is talking about it? Anyway, very weirdly, three days later, I was having lunch with a friend at Piccadilly Circus by Whole Foods, and I see him in the distance. And the friend I was having lunch with was my housemate, so she had known about this entire thing. And I spotted him, and I literally went, oh my God, there he is. And he's with a client. And I could see both of them approaching this girl. And as I saw them approaching this girl, I was like, I cannot just sit here and watch this happening. So I got up and started walking towards them. At which point this guy notices me and he has this like cap on trying to be discreet, I guess. And he literally grabs his client and darts in the opposite direction. Now tell me this, if they clearly think what they're doing is right and with good conscience, then why are they running away from me? What would be wrong with me alerting this woman that this is what's going on if what they were actually doing was an ethical thing or a moral thing? Anyway, that's the last I ever saw him. But over the course of that year, it just continued happening. I went to Australia, for example, and just noticed that every guy in a club was hitting on both me and my friends using something called negging. So this is another pickup artist technique where you basically insult someone in a way that seems like a compliment. So an example of negging is saying something like, 
oh, you're too innocent for me. Like, it sounds like a compliment, but he's also implying that you have no experience and it's subtle. The whole design of it is subtle. Um, Or I remember a guy once pointing out that I was alone in a club and he said it in a jokey way where he was like, oh, no, you're all alone. Do you not have any friends? But it's all designed to make you feel insecure. And I remember one of my friends running up to me and being like, this guy's being mean to me in this club. And so I walked over knowing what I was going to expect. And I don't fully remember what the conversation was about, but it was something about the fact that he had his top button done up and that my friend had commented on it. And when I walked over, this guy went, see, why can't you be nice like your friend? Which implies he was hitting on me, but it isn't. He was hitting on my friend and was using comparison to me to make my friend feel insecure and like she wasn't good enough. And so it's things like that which are common techniques. So it's all about creating insecurity and making you feel vulnerable enough so that you're easier to hit on and want that affection and want that love and want that attention. And it was in this period of travelling in Australia that I just found it all over the place. I remember one guy asking me what I did and I said I was an NLP practitioner because back then I didn't say I was a life coach. Um, I didn't particularly like the word life coach in the beginning, so I said NLP practitioner. And he went, oh, so do you know about the game? And because he was in our dorm, we were staying in hostels at the time, our whole dorm decided to go out for dinner together. At dinner, we weren't even talking about the pickup artist thing, that he described one of his techniques. He had made some flippant comment about how it's really easy to get a girl to come back with you. And he used to say, all you have to do is put her in a position where she feels uncomfortable, where you ask quick fire questions so quickly that she's thrown off her game. And then he was so confident that he was like, look, it'll work on you. So this conversation started where he went, puppies or kittens? And I said, puppies. And then he said, swimming or skiing? And I said, swimming. And then he went, anal or threesome? And I literally just stared at him and I was like, that cannot work. And he was like, do it fast enough, get close enough to her, she'll feel pressured, she'll answer it, and you have no clue how many girls I get back to my bedroom. And if it didn't work, then why do I still do it? And I just remember the grossest part of this conversation was it was me and my friend and then the other guy in the dorm was a 17-year-old boy and all I could think about was how this younger guy like 10 years younger at least, was getting influenced by this. So I obviously didn't answer that third question. And I just turned to him and I went, do you ever feel guilty doing these kind of things? And he was like, why should I feel guilty? And I was, you do realise that I use these NLP techniques to heal insecurities and you're using these NLP techniques to create insecurities. And once you've had your way with a girl or slept with them, you're leaving that person with an insecurity for a lifetime and you might have had your one amazing night, but that person has to live with that insecurity for the rest of their life. At which point he was like, why should I feel guilty for being a player? There are playgirls everywhere. And I've never got the phrase playgirl out of my mind. And I remember at the time I went, what's playgirl? And he was like, you don't think girls mess you around? You don't think girls have their way with you? You don't think girls know what they're doing when they push their cleavage in your face? They know exactly what they're doing. They know they're getting free drinks out of me. And I just said, yeah, because those are the girls you're going after. No, you're going after the most insecure girls because that's who these techniques work on. And you're not going after the sexually confident girls who are really experienced. You're going after the naive and vulnerable and insecure girls who are going to have to live with the consequences of you for their lifetime. 
at the time, I didn't really look at the Playgirl thing as being that harmful. But now that I've read Laura Bates's book, it really feeds into this whole mentality that women are out to get men and that we're all really manipulative and therefore manipulating us is justified because we're these evil masterminds. And it was just a snapshot in how these pickup artists justify doing what they're doing and there's no justification for it. And I know this podcast has been all over the place, but I also hope in a way you've kind of enjoyed me just talking about something I'm really passionate about. And I genuinely think this is where podcasts started. It started with us wanting to talk in a more long-form way about something that interested us. And this really interests me. But also, I really wanted to share it in more detail because I believe it's about awareness. And I don't want to scaremonger you and I don't want you believing this is what dating is like because I've had extremely positive experiences of dating. And this is the minority But I think it's the minority because I'm aware of this. So when I detect any kind of this nonsense, I get rid of that guy as fast as possible. And I do think there are a lot of guys who read these kind of books out of interest and curiosity and don't fully adopt the full mentality. But I think it's part of this toxic masculinity culture. And I just worry about how it's unconsciously affecting how they treat women without them actually realising I would like to think that's the majority of the people reading the book, but obviously there is the majority that are purposely reading the book, seeking out the book, and are actively part of this pickup artist community. So I hope this podcast has taught you something. And the next time you meet one of those really charming, suave guys, just bear in mind that there could be more underneath the surface. Or if you meet a guy who turns your back to you midway through conversation, that's another technique that's been used on me a lot. And a lot of the time, it's used in a really charming, under the guise of a joke kind of way, where it can be something as silly as me saying that I don't eat fruit. And they'll go, you don't eat fruit? Oh, I'm not interested anymore. And like turn their back as a joke. That is part of this negging technique. Because as much as they say it's a joke, and they'll turn back a second later unconsciously the bodily reaction of having someone turn their back to you creates this insecurity and creates this fear of rejection and abandonment so if you do have an abandonment wound or a fear of rejection that's flared up regardless of the words that's coming out of their mouth the body language flares up that response and they know they're doing that and so that's what a lot of these techniques are about they're about subtle things that are more psychology based and the psychology of it is genius the psychology of it is fascinating in a really really gross and sick way especially in the way that it's used so if you want to learn more about it get Laura Bates's book I highly recommend it I'm halfway through it at the moment so I actually haven't even finished it but I just wanted to record this while it was fresh in my mind I know it's been all over the place but as I said it's been nice just talking to you about something that I'm really passionate about and it's kind of taken the flow of a really chatty YouTube video or how I am in my Instagram stories But before I get any negging comments being like, oh, I prefer this format, please don't say that to me. I put a lot of work, a lot more work into normal episodes. So being told that you prefer this format is really not going to make me feel good about 
the amount of work that went into season one and the amount of work that's going to go into season two as well. But it's nice doing a spontaneous episode here and there. So hopefully you enjoy the mixture and I hope you're having a wonderful week and I will speak to you in the new season unless I get another spontaneous moment of wanting to do another bonus episode about a random psychology thing that has piqued my interest. If this is the first time you have tuned into In All Honesty, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at scarred not scared and you can pre-order my new book the joy of being selfish that is out on the 4th of february thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this make sure to review it and subscribe sending you so much love and thank you for listening bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 